Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Gundam-related, from the movies to the anime series to the models to anything related to the amazing meta-series, meta-genre that is Gundam. And what are we talking about today, Isaac? Today we're talking about capital ships from the one-year war. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I know capital ships are a near and dear topic to your to your heart, just like super weapons were. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I always thought the capital ships in there were awesome because, let's face it, fleet battles are awesome, right? In any sci-fi series you're watching, it's always cool watching two fleets meet up and just duke it out with lasers and weapons. Am I right? You, you are right. I mean, that's, you know, I think you get a, a few different populations of people watching sci-fi, right? You get the people who watch sci-fi where they just want to see, you know, lasers and futuristic technology and people fighting with it. And I think those are the people that really enjoy the, the capital ship battles. So, Yeah, definitely. And Gundam has plenty of capital ship battles and also lots of different types of capital ships. You know, some sci-fi series you watch and it's like, okay, for example, Star Trek. Oh, I'm about to piss off a lot of Trekkies. <laughs> But, man, a lot of those Federation ships look the same, right? It's a saucer, and then they slap two engines on the side, right? And they send it out into battle. <laughs> hey, man, it works. You don't, you don't change what works. I guess you're right, and they do pretty good, right? Because the Federation <laughs> never gets destroyed. But You um, know, I will say, <laughs> I watched The Next Generation growing up on, like, you know, reruns. And yeah. that one episode where the Enterprise... Uh, splits, you know, between the saucer section and, and whatever the lower section is called. That blew my mind as a kid. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, there was no pause back then, right? I was about to say, like, <laughs> pause and like get a drink of water, but no. <laughs> no, there was no pausing. Yeah. yeah. You had to pick up your uh, your corded phone and then you had to like <laughs> dial a friend who was also watching. <laughs> did you see that? Did you see what they did? <laughs> Do you have any capital opening remarks? You know, go for it. <laughs> you know what? No, I don't. Let's let's actually just jump into it. I mean, right. I'm sure I will after after we <laughs> go into like knee deep into capital shifts. <laughs> All right, you lead the way. Which one would you like to do, do first? We'll yeah. talk about the first ship we see in the series, and that is the Musai class from the Principality of Zeon. Oh man, the Zeon workhorse. Yeah, this thing. <laughs> It was actually based on a civilian transport ship, and that transport ship flew upside down. So picture a Musa in your head, listeners, and put it upside down. That's how the <laughs> ship originally flew. <laughs> <laughs> but it was designed in such a way that it could be quickly converted into a warship. So this was clearly a part of Xeon's plan all along, uh, just ramping up to war, having a supply of civilian transport ships on hand that they could just slap some weapons on, and be ready for a actual space combat and battle. Not to get us back on Star Trek, but if you turn the Musai, <laughs> if, you, if you turn the Musai around, or uh, you know, upside down, it kind of looks like a Zeonic Enterprise. Yeah, now that you mention it, right? It's got like the long neck and then like a big kind of upper... Right, it's upper not a saucer, body. but yeah. you know, it's got the two engine things in the back, uh, mm. or they look like engines. Right. <laughs> there you go again. We're just angry at the stars, the stars, the Trekkies that are listening. <laughs> How dare you compare the Enterprise to the Musai? Yeah. So what I always thought interesting about the Musai was it never had like the same number of weapons as any other Federation warship, <laughs> right? Like Federation ships are just decked out in all kinds of weapons, and the Musai has, 
you know, three sets of main guns and then maybe a, a few others along the side. That's about it. it. It never struck me as being a really overly gunned. Yeah, I agree. It, it definitely seemed like they needed a lot of these and maybe they just you know pumped them out as fast as they could. Yeah. Also, I also thought it was kind of weird that Xeon didn't find a way to cram more mobile suits in there because it can it can only hold four to six depending on the size. I believe it can hold like six Zakus, but only like four Doms because they're just too bulky. I always thought it was weird too that they exit out of like that top area. I thought figured maybe the lower area made more sense because I figured just looking at it that looks like where the cargo would go, right? That's just yeah. the bulk of the ship. Yeah, yeah kind of. But. Although it didn't have maybe as many weapons as the uh, Federation ships, right? I think it made up for it because it was the first uh, space warship that was, I think, ever designed on either side to carry mobile suits. Yeah, that's true. And that made all the difference, right? Because if you can carry mobile suits in a space combat and your other side can't, you pretty much win. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so the Federation would throw out the little space fighters, but you know, you know, a small group of Musai would be able to send out some some mobile suits themselves and you know make sure work of whatever fleet they were fighting yeah yeah so a few few things on the moose side that i thought were interesting one in gun of the origin we see dozel have his own uh custom musai it's called the valkyrie yeah. and it, apparently it is 30 percent larger than a standard musai <laughs> just like just like dozel compared to normal men <laughs> That's a good point. It also has like a kind of a pointy tower on it and spikes. He wanted extra spikes on his Musai, <laughs> just like his uniform. Right. Yeah, everything is enlarged. So that, that was kind of neat. Whenever we get a Gundam series, right? Right. Because they're not necessarily made, they're all not made at the same time. So every time we get a new series, the designs are updated a little bit or changed a little bit to fit the sort of aesthetic of that series. Do you have a favorite version of the Musai? Hmm. Well, definitely not Shars Musa. <laughs> I always thought that the little helmet bridge, I thought that was just always silly. You know, I know that, I know, you know, oh, Shar, he has his own helmet and blah, blah, blah. I always thought that was silly whenever I saw that flying around. <laughs> I don't think too much of Z- Dozel's because it kind of reminds me of like the cone heads. Like, <laughs> oh, I, wow. Do you remember no. the. I do remember the cone heads, and now that you yeah. say that, that's all I can see is that the the, the one cone head yeah. at the top, and that kind of ruins it for me. So thanks. <laughs> Look, Mr. Conhead, we can't customize your Musa. <laughs> conehead, the name is Conehead. All right, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, in Coneheads, they had like actual capital ships too, and they looked a lot like Dozel's Bridge. <laughs> if you vaguely remember i um, do not remember much about the coneheads <laughs> at all but i yeah. do like that you are uh you know working your way through the fandoms today yeah. you know star trek coneheads we're gonna have them a off coneheads pod- <laughs> we're gonna have a coneheads <laughs> podcast coming up soon we'll talk about the capital ships of the coneheads <laughs> um the one that I actually liked appeared in double 83 and i know that's not the one you wore but hear me out all those ships that were used by the, you know, Delaz fleet and the Shima fleet, they were made in the one-year war, so they still count. Right. Uh, I like Shima's, uh, the, the Musais in her fleet, because they were kind of like a khaki tan color. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Not really something you see. I assume that's the color they painted the uh, the fleets for the Gelgoog marines, and that's the only reason we see them so briefly. Shima's Gelgoog had that that uh, khaki color, too, so maybe that was just, you know, her... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
darker color, I suppose. Maybe, yeah. But, I mean, oh. we never see any other fleets that get customized colors. Well, maybe we do in some side stories I haven't seen yet. But, um, I don't know. I thought it was cool that they made such a big deal about them being, oh, these are Galgoog Marines. They literally only use Galgoogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I guess it figured that they're going to do special operations and missions, so we might as well paint their Musai's a special color. I do like the double eighty three one. Uh, that one looks the most sinister to me. It's a little yeah. curvier than maybe the other ones. Right. Yeah. Very. Um, they modernized the animation to look to make it look very much like a piece of military hardware. That makes sense, especially yeah. given the time. My favorite is the one from double eighty. I just it's very angular and I think it looks really uh, evil mm-hmm. and, and a little alien y. Alien y. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I w- and before you said the Conehead thing, I would have said second place went to the Valkyrie, but not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the whole the moose the the Komusai being on the front of the the Musai? Because for our un- uninformed listeners, a Musai has a reentry capsule, pretty much a shuttle, on the front of the ship. It's literally the bow, like the little pointy nose area. That's able to re-enter Earth's atmosphere. I've never been a big fan of that. Because for all the times we've seen Xeon, we don't really see it used that often. Maybe it was used in the early days of the war when Xeon invaded Earth. But for the most part, that code Musai is almost never used in any episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, right? was used, uh, it was used in 8th MS Team, which we just watched uh, for our review last week. That was yeah. how they got the, uh, the Flanagan children off the ship, off the Musai. Right, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time we see it. It's like in a side story. You know, I feel like, I don't know, was the design plan that, oh, we're going to be going back and forth to Earth, guys. You know, we're going to need these shuttles on every one of our main ships. But in actuality, they don't use it. And they probably should have put something else there, like maybe more weapons or, I don't know, more mobile suits. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, I guess it's always a good thing to have, like, an escape ship, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> The, the only thing is, yeah, well, the only thing is I, I wouldn't necessarily put my escape ship at the front of my ship where I'm going to potentially take the most fire. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, because let's say you're in battle and you're facing off against people, right? You're going to be facing them. Right. And your escape, your escape craft is going towards the enemy. <laughs> yes. Unless it's like, yeah, unless it's like Battle Alone where they did pretty much like, you know, they lined up and they fought like... um old-fashioned sail ships, ships of the line, just right. shooting at each other's sights. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Origin, I think if you want to see the most Musai action, definitely go watch Gundam the Origin. Yeah. I think the final episode is pretty much the Musai show, right? Yeah. <laughs> the beginning is actually pretty awesome, too, because uh, you watch, like, Musai just get wasted. Yeah. That's, that's the intro. Like, just just a, a fleet of Musai just being destroyed by, like, <laughs> Solomuses that were being... I guess the gunners on there were the, the were they the ace gunners or something I like don't. that because they did not miss. <laughs> yeah, maybe there wasn't as many Minovsky particles back then. <laughs> something interesting I read too is that the word Musai translates into witless, as in, <laughs> as in lacking wit. So yeah, I guess Tomino wanted to uh, kind of poke fun at Zeon's coming defeat by uh, <laughs> giving them such a such a distinct name for their main ship. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, overall, though, I think the Musai is one of Gundam's more iconic uh, capital ship designs, at least definitely on the Xeon side. So 
absolutely. I think it's a crowd favorite. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely probably in the top four at least most recognizable ships in Gundam. I I'd, I'd even say it's the Star Destroyer of Gundam. You see it, you know, that's probably the bad guys. They can be destroyed in large numbers despite their somewhat menacing appearance. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, totally agree. Yeah. So. I like it. Yeah. I like the Musai. Good on you, Tamina. It's a good design. I like it. But moving on, what's next in the uh, the side of Xeon, Brian? Or should we hop over to Federation? What do you think? We can hop back and forth if you'd like. You mentioned uh, Solomus class, so maybe we should take tackle the Solomus. Hey, it's the counterpart to the Musai, right? They go head to head. They do. Yeah. yeah. So the the Solomus is one of the you know main ships of the Federation. Like Isaac said, everywhere you see a Musai, you're probably going to see a Solomus class on the other side shooting at it. You know, it's got mega particle cannons, but you know what it can't do? Well, it can, but it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't built to uh, to hold mobile suits. The irony right. of the Federation ships are both the Solomus class and the Magellan class, the, the main ships that they have during the One Year War. They were built as part of this '70s armament reinforcement plan, where in the UC70s they you know built a bunch of new ships. But ironically, that was before the introduction of mobile suits. So all these ships that they built can't carry mobile suits. <laughs> so <laughs> turns out that's a crappy move when you build all your ships based on a non-modern uh, method of warfare. And they built tons of them. Like <laughs> There's thousands of these, possibly, yes. I don't know, tens of thousands. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of these things. Yeah, and uh, but but that's I didn't I didn't actually know that before re, you know researching this episode is um that that's the reason why all the why you always see all the GMs uh, stacked on the outside is because there's no room for them on the inside because that's not how the ships wow. are built. Yeah, I thought that was kind of implied because like the Pegasus class was literally their first carrier. Yeah, dedicated well, for mobile suits. So you know me, yeah. I'm not big on. Uh, <laughs> Subtlety. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> so you think the GM pilots are all like just looking at? I guess their their memos or their notes, their assignments, and just hoping that they're assigned to an actual carrier and not <laughs> not like a solemnist. That like their 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 GM won't have to just hold on to like a welded handle on the side <laughs> of a solemnist. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Because, you know, at least if you're on like, OK, first of all, I guess if you're a gym pilot, you're you're probably going to die. Like you have a good chance of maybe not making it, given that the gym's Brian, not the best thing. <laughs> Brian, their safety in numbers. <laughs> right. I guess. I guess. But, you know, a, a, few, a little shrapnel and those things go down. So, like you said, if you get assigned to a Pegasus class, you at least have a somewhat of a chance to survive while you're just waiting for the battle because your your gym is in is actually in the ship. But yeah, if you have to sit on a Solomus or a Magellan, you could be like melted by an accidental you know, mega particle cannon firing near you without even going into battle. So that would be pretty yeah. crappy. Yeah. From what I read, it also obviously made supplying and repairing uh GMs very difficult in battle. I mean how would that even work, right? You'd have to have the GM land on the Solomus, grab its little handle, <laughs> and, and then hope another carrier's nearby with balls that can resupply it or something like that, right? Like swap yeah, I mean, out. Its, yeah, yeah. You can't take them into the. I mean, there's no bay to to take them into. Maybe the idea is you just 
don't need to repair the, the gyms. You have so many that if they get damaged, then that's it. You're done. Like, that was your one shot. And uh, you just kind of abandon, abandon ship, abandon your gym, and, and either go back to the your crappy Solomus, or you just kind of float around and wait for the battle to be over and someone to pick you up later. <laughs> that's a terrible way to run a war. Um, yeah, and also the pilots, right? The pilots would pretty much, I assume they're on the Solomus, that they're their GM is strapped to. Yeah. Um, so to get into your your GM, <laughs> do you just they open an airline, line up the pilots, and oh, just you know, crawl along the hull, hold <laughs> hold this hold this rope or whatever, and get to your Solomus. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I guess at least they have those jetpacks. You know, they can fly over. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't seem very efficient. No, this is God. The Federation's so lucky they won. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think whoever designed the Solomus and the Magellan uh, got fired? Like once the no. Zaku's came came uh, came on the scene, and then they realized that they spent all this money on these ships that can't carry mobile suits. Well, maybe the person that approved it <laughs> appro- approved the mass production of thousands or tens of thousands of these ships. Maybe they got fired, or you know, I don't know demoted or something but the designers i mean they made a really good warship i think if you were fighting like just ship to ship combat oh uh, yeah because sure. yeah the solomus is just covered in weapons so yeah. i don't know yeah it, but just just from the design of the solomus it looks like maybe the federation had whoever designed their water navy mm. also got put in charge of like their space navy because this literally looks like they put like a battleship in a space it's yeah. or a destroyer. It's it just has a vertical bridge tower, and then the rest of it is just your typical battleship body lined with guns. Yeah, um, just a kind of a long, yeah. a long body. Yeah, say, totally agree. It looks what, like a ship out of water. Yeah, say what you will about the Musai, you know, being on the losing side and all that, but it was a very different looking design that clearly looked like it was designed for space. You know. Yeah. But, yeah, the Solomus. Eh, it, I, I've never been a a big fan of the design, but it works. Can kind of look at it and see like, oh yeah, this is probably for the good guys because it's, you know, lighter colored and looks pretty. I don't know. If a knight was a ship, it would be the Solomus. <laughs> I think it's a good design. It's not definitely not one of my favorites, but the reason I think it's a good design is it's fittingly boring for the Federation because I think that's what the Federation needs. It looks like a very economical design where they just mass produce a bunch of these things that don't have a lot of character. And that's that's kind of the Federation, right? You know, Pretty much. It, and yeah, if you put the Musai side by side with a Solomus or a Magellan, clearly the Musai has more character than these things. Yeah, that's true. You think it was like a cost issue maybe, or, or maybe just time because the war is wrapping up, that they couldn't somehow strap or just build sort of add-ons on the Solomus, like just a housing unit for three GMs on each side of the ship or something like that. It was too late by then and that would take too much. Actually, yeah, I answered my own question because that meant every Solomus would be refitted, right? Yeah, plus it's probably easier just to weld that weld the handle on, like you said. <laughs> right, yeah. You could do that with scrap and, you know, the engineers actually on the ship. You wouldn't have to go to a shipyard. Right. Okay, yeah. I answered my own question. <laughs> <laughs> there was a note on uh, MAH Cube on the Solomus page that some of these remained in service until at least UC-153, which I was what? like, wow, that is far <laughs> out. But... That also kind of makes sense because, you know, in the real world, we have a lot of battleships that stay in service for a very long time. Like, if you look like when they were made, they're pretty old. 
I did not expect that for the Salamises because they're always getting blown up. So I would have thought that, you know, who would want those that late, but kind of neat. Yeah, I'd assume as time went on, they were almost never on the front lines. Like, they were probably just doing supply runs or something like that, right? Uh, yeah, they got to be in the back. Yeah. God help. S- support yeah. fires. <laughs> God help you if you're in a Salamis and you're fighting in the year. Would you say UC-150? Yeah. <laughs> those poor <Yeah>. souls. <laughs> So, uh, you know, alongside the Salamis, the other sort of workhorse of the uh, Federation fleet was the Magellan class. Yeah. And it kind of looks like a like a better Salamis. Um, nice. You know, if you're not super familiar with the designs and you've only maybe watched one or two Gundam series, you probably wouldn't know the difference if it was just yeah. in a fast-paced battle. They kind of look almost the same to, an, to a, an untrained eye or someone who hasn't watched you know, quite a bit of Gundam. The the Magellan is kind of just the better version of the Salamis. You know, I think it has like one more like mega particle cannon. And I think the only really thing that I thought was notable about the Magellan versus versus the Salamis, I mean everything kind of still all the same comments kind of still apply in my opinion, but General Rebel's flagship uh was a was a Magellan class. The uh, Anank am I saying that right? Uh, I think it was called Ananke or something. Pronounced yeah. somehow. Yeah. A N A N K E. Um, Word of advice, anyone in the military that's in charge of naming ships, it has to be something we can say. <laughs> we don't rely on the, like just text, you know, because there's different ways to pronounce things. So. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately for him, you know, in, in uh, the origin, his flagship was destroyed by the Black Tri-Stars and he was captured. If a Salamis is like a destroyer, then the Magellan's a battleship. So it's it's a, definitely a few classes bigger than it. A, kind of a cheat way to tell the difference is if you look at the bow of a Salamis, it's vertical. And if you look at a Magellan, it gets kind of flat. I think that's actually more of a smart design because the Magellan has these two big guns right in the front. So mm-hmm. I think that, that gives it way more coverage. But overall, it's bigger. If you were bullying the Salamis, then the big brother, the Magellan, would probably show up and fight you and beat you. So that's a good yeah. way to look at it. <laughs> We actually see the Magellan in the first episode. They, I forgot the officer's name that like talking to Amro a lot, but he's like, "Oh, you know, we're gonna send out the Magellan or something and like slap around the Zeon." <laughs> but um, I think it actually gets destroyed, if I remember correctly, or at least heavily damaged. No, I think mm-hmm. it gets destroyed. But um, do you remember the Magellans all being green? No, I thought they were blue and gray, kind of like the Salamises. The only green one that I'm aware of is. The ones in um, Mobile Suit Gundam Igloo kind of have like a gray tinge on them, I guess. Maybe that's just more yeah. the, the animation style. It's like CG, you know? But all the other ones right. I thought were uh, were like a, like a bluish gray. Yeah, for the most part. But I do remember seeing at least the first one we see in uh, 0079 is almost an emerald. I always thought that was weird because that was too close to Xeon, I thought. It, was def- it wasn't, the you know, the sort of military avocado green but it was a, a brighter kind of emerald green so i always thought that was weird so maybe they animated that and then they thought oh this is way too close to the bad guys we need to make them more similar to the solomus's color so, yeah that's interesting yeah. i mean 0079 had a lot of bright color choices so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they played around with some of the colors at some point in the series probably not but these are the Federation's two main ships. Uh, they're two main warships, the Magellan and the Solomus. But I don't think there's a lot of people that 
care for them too much because, as you said, Brian, they're a little bland. They're they're <laughs> battleships with thrusters. <laughs> yeah. And they're essentially overshadowed by the star of the show, which is the, the Pegasus class uh, carriers. Right. But um, one last thing I wanted to say about the Salamis and the Magellan before we moved on is that there was that really cool scene in the origin. I don't remember if they were Salamis class or Magellan class, but where we get to see them take off from Earth, those extra booster rockets, oh, to go yeah, to the Battle yeah. of Loom, and that was super cool. Right. Um, so, Sky yeah. Sky was covered in them, right? Yeah, that was really neat. I can't remember if we'd seen that in, in another series before, but I, I thought that was really neat. So again, if you want to see Musai action, you know, if you want to see hot Musai on Salamis <laughs> and Magellan action, go watch Gundam the Origin because it has the biggest fleet battle, um, you know, in Gundam, the Battle of Loom. So honestly, I, I thought the Magellans and the Salamises were all built in space. I mm. didn't think they were built on Earth and then just boosted out. I, I guess it mm. does make sense that they were because. There's a lot of resources on Earth, right? That's why Xeon wanted to take over it. So, yeah, interesting. I mean, I guess certainly if you could build them in space, that would save a lot of time and, and effort. Hopefully those booster rockets are like uh, Elon's rockets that land themselves. And they don't have to throw <laughs> them away every time. <laughs> no, they have to throw them away every time. <laughs> they're, they're one use. <laughs> Come on. What do you think is going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, which ship is next on your list, Isaac? How about we talk about the Chevet class? Good. So the Chevet doesn't show up very often, really, in any story. Um, we do see it very briefly near the end of the one-year war in 0079. What happens is there's an admiral, and he fights the Gundam with lead that uses um, Chevet class uh, heavy space cruisers, and you know they get destroyed, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have too much to say about about this ship other than that it's it, it almost feels like a ship that has no purpose right because why why build this it's not big enough like a a, a guazin um it's certainly not a zanzibar where you can you know go into earth's atmosphere and all that and it's it's bigger than a musai it has more weaponry but you know it can still hold about the same amount of, of mobile suits well a little bit more but really two, two more than a Musai, that doesn't make much of a difference. <laughs> so this is something that I think Xeon designed and um, probably wasn't too well thought out. So not much to say about the Chevet, Brian. Did you have anything to add to it? <laughs> so I thought the Chevet could not carry um, mobile suits because it was designed before. Uh, right. Yeah. Did they? Add, I guess they added that on later on. Well, it it wasn't purpose. Let me correct myself. It wasn't purpose built for mobile suits, but the cargo area is spacious enough that they could cram mobile suits in there. Oh, okay, got so it. they, they <laughs> kind of got around it. I don't know why the Solomus and Magellan can't make cargo room. I don't know what the hell happened over there. <laughs> because but, they're they're big yeah. narrow. You know, <laughs> the yeah. Solomus. For the, I mean, we're looking at pictures, but listeners, you're not, obviously not listening yeah. at pictures. The Solomus and a Magellan are basically very narrow rectangles that go into battle. <laughs> the, uh, That's true. The, yeah. the Chevet has a little more. You know. It's it's a little thicker than than the yeah. Solomuses and the Magellans. It's a chunky ship. <laughs> it's kind of short, stubby, and thick. It's yeah. I can clearly see where they would put the mobile suits. So it <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this ship, you know, it doesn't have that many more guns than a Musai, and it's not big enough to rival the Guazine. I just feel like it was such a 
a misplaced ship. It didn't really have a, an actual dedicated role in the Xeon fleet. So I guess it's a good idea. It's good for Xeon that we didn't that they didn't build too many because we certainly didn't see too many. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was the precursor to the Musai, and once you needed mobile suits, I think the Musai won out. So that's why you see a lot more than the than the Chevet. But they're they're kind of neat looking. They're very. Uh, I don't know. It just reminds me of like a bug for some reason. Yeah. Definitely an I evil mean, Xeon look for for the you know <laughs> 1979 or 1980. I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. I wish maybe we saw them more often in in Musai fleets. Like you'd know that was always you know the admiral's ship or something like that. Mm, yeah, but, yeah. Maybe it was too much to animate. You know, it's so much easier just to recycle Musai animation for the, yeah. <laughs> for the production team. <laughs> All right, next up. There is one other Federation ship that we didn't talk about with the Salamis yeah. and the Magellan that's basically the same thing, but it's a different class, and that's the Lepanto class. I think this is only seen in Origin. I don't remember it being in any other sh- in any other shows, but it's like a missile frigate. Um, oh, wow. It's a little smaller than the Salamis class, oh. but it's pretty much just sits there and launches missiles. But yeah, pretty much the same design. It looks like a, you know, a, a marine battleship put in space um but i think because it was designed for origin it has a little bit more of like a modern design so it actually looks pretty cool you know i wish like kind of like the solomus looked like that one the lepanto it's got like one one lone cannon one lone mega particle cannon uh, which is kind of funny do you remember it doing well against mobile suits like or was it probably not i mean that's too bad it's 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 basically like a an artillery you know thing that sits in the back i think um, figured like it was kind of their ace in, their, their ace in the hole <laughs> for mobile suits. Like, oh, we'll just good thing we brought these. We'll kind of spam missiles at them. But yeah, uh, the missiles yeah. were probably too slow or too large, and the mobile suits could just dodge them, fly around them. I mean, if the Solomus and the Magellan didn't do well, I can't imagine that Lepanto did well. Probably not. Speaking of ships that are sort of, you know, half Solomus or half Magellan, there's a ship called a Trafalgar class. Which was, it was essentially just a Magellan, and then they slapped, <laughs> they slapped two docking bays on each side of it, um, along with uh, mobile suit catapults. So it could actually hold a lot of mobile suits. It could hold up to seventy-two mobile suits, and that's a lot, um, especially for one ship. Seventy-two, holy crap! Yeah, it's a lot, right? Wow. But, yeah, but I mean. This this wasn't a dedicated ship. It was clearly, you know, just add-ons to a Magellan, and they didn't build that many. They only built eight. So, oh wow! So. Yeah, I've never even heard. I've never heard of the Trafalgar class. But right. yeah, that definitely looks like someone. Looks like a someone kit bashed a model. Pretty like, much. Right. <laughs> like they had leftover pieces from a white base, or something, and they and they glued them to the side of a Magellan. This is clearly like a missing link, though, right? Because those those launch bays look literally like something you'd see later on in the UC, um, mm-hmm. like from the Grips conflict or on the Rock High Loom or something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, um, I don't know if the ship was at a Baku. I don't think it was. <laughs> Maybe they were on the way, and then the war ended. Oh. But, yeah, but I don't know. I thought it was interesting that the Federation did manage to sort of throw together these super carriers at the last minute, but... um. Didn't see a lot of action and didn't build a lot of them. Yeah. There's a couple more in the Federation I wanted to talk about. Uh, one of them is the Columbus. So the Columbus was an unarmed vessel, but 
it really became the workhorse of the Federation towards the end of the war because it was able to carry up to 20 mobile suits. And there were a lot of Columbuses. It, it was the main reason that the Federation was able to move around their GMs at the, at the end of the one-year war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were actually big enough that if they crashed into, <laughs> they crashed into a Salamis, which happened often in combat, um, especially during <laughs> you know major battles like like a Baku, um, they would actually destroy the Salamis and their own ship. So <laughs> these weren't small ships; um, they were unarmed, unfortunately. But you know they're with the whole fleet at that point, so it didn't make too much of a difference. And design-wise, I always kind of liked them. You know, it was such a simple design, but it made a lot of sense. There's just it, it's essentially too two drums almost, two barrels laying on their side and inside there's either the cargo or the mobile suits. Yeah. <laughs> Columbus. Yes. Speaking of the Columbus, there was one special Columbus called the Beehive, which was in, I think that's from uh, Gundam Thunderbolt. Yeah. And it's basically like two Columbus ships put together. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I imagine, you know, it doubled, it probably, you know, doubled or, or at least somewhat increases the uh, mobile suit carrying capacity. That one looked pretty cool. Um, you know, given that it's a, transport ship and I, I believe that one did they did add some guns on that one so probably and you know it was thunderbolt so there's a fleet around it <laughs> helping yeah. it out so it's not defenseless plus so, i like i like i really like the name beehive given that it's this right you know, transport ship for for mobile suits i think that's a really fitting name so that's i like that one it's pretty cool do you think they named it that because if you look at the um the sort of carrying uh containers on the columbus they're Shaped like the uh, the hexagons on a beehive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the name like beehive, though, I figured they'd stack more or something like that, right? <laughs> like it'd be yeah. like a grid. It'd be a whole grid of Columbus classes. <laughs> yeah, with the, with the name like beehive, I agree. I almost feel like it should be stationary and it shouldn't move. Something like that, or I don't know, eight minimum. You need to stack eight of these minimum. <laughs> <laughs> we want we want more pods, more hexagonal pods. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's hop over to Xeon again, Brian. Name one of the new, uh, well, not one of the new, one of the remaining Xeon mobile sh- mobile uh, mobile suits. <laughs> one of the remaining Xeon capital ships. All right, how about the Dolos class? Ah, uh, the Dolos, the the beasts of the of the Bawaku. <laughs> G- Girinzavi's, you know, his uh, little pet project besides the colony Tomb. laser. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> They probably left it there, right? I, mean, <laughs> I would imagine so. Good point, yeah. Yeah, but right, it, apparently it carries 182 mobile suits. MAHQ says that's the largest dedicated mobile suit carrier ever built. I mean, yeah. 182? That's insane. That's too much. <laughs> I do. No, I totally agree. I think that's too much. If the thing goes up in flames, then you just lost 182 mobile suits. You better get them all out of there. But that's the drawback, isn't it, Isaac? <laughs> Absolutely, because <laughs> okay, God, I can understand wanting to build like a super ship, right, a super mm-hmm. carrier or something like that. But the major design flaw with the Dolos class is it only has seven launch catapults. <laughs> so I think I read somewhere that it took like six hours for them to launch their entire, you know, their their entire carrying capacity, all their mobile suits. Which is oh, insane. Emma HQ says 20 minutes, but oh, yeah. Well. Still. <laughs> 20 minutes? That's a long time in a battle. Yeah. All right. Well, we have mixed information. <laughs> but anyways, actually two of these ships were built 
and they were ironically both destroyed at the same battle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if the guy who approved the Salamis class and the Magellan class got fired, and whoever only designed seven catapults into the Dolos class for Giran probably got executed. Maybe. Oh, no, he sneaked by because of the coup. The Republic of Zeon gets formed, right? So I, I assume he was fine. Um, actually, oh, maybe he got true. sent to the Federation for they probably wanted to recruit him to design ships or something but yeah i just man. i can't i can't see how you you build this giant ship to to do the one thing and then you screw up the door for that one thing yeah you know what i'm gonna say Giren was involved in this because only his arrogance <laughs> would create something like this instead of building however many moose we could have built and had a much more flexible fleet he wanted just two super carriers that just easily become the main targets of the enemy fleet and yeah they just were destroyed yeah. I think they, were just, they were destroyed within 30 minutes of each other sad yeah on the i mean in their defense though yes they were able to hold a lot great engineering and i think they also had like the longest range um mega particle beam cannons in the war yeah this really remind i mean you're a you're a world war ii guy this right. really reminds me of um do you know what the Tirpitz is? Yeah, wasn't that a battleship? Yeah, it was this en- enormous battleship that Germany had built during during uh, World War II. The Allies were so not not afraid of it, but you know they they knew that they had to like take this thing out and and they figured out where it was because there was only one dock big enough to like dock <laughs> the Tirpitz. And uh, there's a great great little documentary on it. I highly recommend it. Um, called The Greatest Raid of All. It's narrated by Jeremy Clarkson. Uh-huh. Um, and it was kind of like a, not to get too much into it, but it was uh, it was kind of like a suicide mission. They These these British soldiers basically took off with no, no real way home, and, and their goal was to blow up the dock because the thought was, well, if that's the only place that the Tirpitz can dock and you blow it up, then you, then uh, the Tirpitz is screwed. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it, it all worked out in the end. But I wonder if the, the Dolos is somewhat inspired by the Tirpitz or a similar, you know, huge ship from, from World War II, given the other World War II yeah. parallels from, you know, the one-year war. Right. It must be. It must be inspired by just those failed Axis gambits to try to yeah. just build some type of big, powerful super weapon that would turn the course of the war. But ultimately, it was just a, a misplaced resources that probably should have gone somewhere else if you were... <laughs> reasonable and rational. <laughs> God, yeah. how many? Yeah, how many mobile suits could they have built? You know, even mobile armors might have been a better choice because they they probably could have performed really well against GMs and the the Federation fleet compared to two super carriers that are just lumbering about. Yeah. Went up in flames. Yeah, I've always said, give me more big zombs, man. <laughs> and uh, little tid fans. Gato was stationed on uh, one of the Delos classes. Oh, yeah. interesting. It was pretty sad when it blew up for obvious reasons. Maybe he had friends on there or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 182 friends by chance? Maybe. I <laughs> Let's be honest. There's no way he knew every other pilot there. <laughs> and we're going to cut it there for this episode. Next week, we'll continue our rundown of capital ships from the One Year War including the Great Degwin and the Pegasus class. Please like, comment, and subscribe. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, 
and on Twitter at Colony Dropcast. As always, keep those Minofsky reactors warm, stay safe, and have a great week, everybody.